Hello and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit Podcast Network. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the creator and hostess of Think Fit, Be Fit. I have a big goal, and that is to inspire resilience and high quality exercise. And we are doing that through this very unique fitness podcast. On this feed, you will receive two shows that are the intersection of exercise science, human movement science, critical thinking, and overall well-being. To learn more about myself and the other co-hosts, please check out thinkfitbefitpodcast.com or check us out on Facebook, hang out with us on Instagram at thinkfitbefit underscore podcast. And our Wednesday show, Fitness for Consumption, is also on Instagram at Fitness for Consumption, spelled out F O R. And today I have a really fun and exciting, fast paced conversation about ADHD and fitness. One of the big takeaways for me after having this episode were sorry, uh, having this conversation was that you actually have to think smarter and harder when it comes to exercise and ADHD. So that's just a play on words that a lot of people in my industry use. It's like, you know, think smarter, work less, work more efficiently. Yeah, cool. But what if that hard exercise and the sweat And just moving around all day is the antidote to uh, your mental clarity and being able to control and treat the symptoms of ADHD. So really just an interesting thing to think about before getting into this. My guest today is Teddy Searles, and she is such a baddie, a mountain Utah trail runner fitness enthusiast, health educator. She's a trainer. Um, She's a physical education uh, teacher with a master's degree. And she's really in this game to help people find happiness, healthiness, and um, do it with this really interesting perspective of being a teacher and a really like a mountain junkie. That's how another way I would describe her. You can find her on Instagram at the endorphin junkie. That's the underscore endorphin underscore junkie. And before I unleash this fast paced fun episode, I want to invite you into my own virtual exercise studio. And it's something that I've been working on for a year. We are just launching our first products and it's all about how to teach you the concepts of exercise that you can use at home on your body weight and programs that you can use with minimal equipment and some of them are even tailored to specific injury rehab processes. And my goal is to just help everybody get like an upgraded mindset when it comes to their workout and this is the actualization of that and being able to share the lessons and the tools that I've gathered over my 10 
year plus career in athletic training, muscle activation techniques, health education, health promotion, and help my clients who have overcome chronic muscle tightness, chronic injury, and or just fully recovered from a sports injury and they don't want it to happen again. And they're doing that through strength training and isometrics and all the things that I teach within the virtual studio. Go ahead on over to impactyourfitness.net slash virtual studio. Links in the show notes. We also have a webinar coming up on March 31st all about how to use the virtual studio, how to use the tools and things that I've shared in there. So I really hope to see you there. If not, um, hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. And I am sharing all my behind the scenes, what I'm pondering and thinking about and doing in regards to high quality exercise, including lots of lives, not lots. Um, (laughs) Anyways, back to the episode. So if you are like an adult with ADHD or you have a person in your life, in your family that has ADHD, this is a great episode because you are listening to not just a pro, but an educator in this space. And she has a lot of really interesting tips to share, lots of stuff that I'd never heard of. The other idea I had is that if you are a trainer and you want to just be more familiar with this and listen to someone who uses the outdoors as one of their, you know, fitness studios, <laughs> then Teddy is a great, uh, you know, a, just a provider of information and tips and all kinds of stuff in that space. She's super knowledgeable in the outdoor space, I'd have to say. And if you enjoyed the episode that I did with Melanie Webb from July, I highly recommend that you tune in for this episode. And another thing that I think would benefit you guys is we talk about endorphins, dopamine, adrenaline, and being less confused about those words and why people like just use them interchangeably in the exercise world. And if you enjoyed the March 1st episode on neuroplasticity and anxiety, This is a perfect episode to continue that conversation. And the funny thing is that Teddy and I recorded this in November, but this is timeless information and I really hope you guys enjoy it and have fun with us. If we use exercise to help ADHD, what does that look like? So, I mean, first off, I'm I'm just going to take it back a step. Like, what are some of the symptoms of ADHD? Which actually, dyslexia is one of the can be a symptom of ADHD, um, which just makes learning harder. Um, and I think it's interesting. Like, <laughs> you're like your parents knew but didn't tell you. Um, my parents just never like they just didn't know anything about really about ADHD, and so I think. Yeah as far as I know anyway, right. Like they didn't, they didn't do anything because they just didn't have their own knowledge and education themselves. Um, that being said, um, I have been a PE teacher for like 13 years in the public, um, school system. And there's honestly a lot of parents that feel like they are doing best by their kid to not tell them what their issues are and to not address those issues. Um, and honestly, like 
from my experience, um, as a kid with ADHD, I think that I would have been able to handle things better in high school had I had some help mm-hmm. um, and had somebody said, hey, this is why you never feel like you can keep up with everyone and why your brain is running like a squirrel. Um, but instead, like to me, I was normal, but nobody else seemed to get it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, you know, I, I know that people are very worried about labels being put on kids. And, and I do think that needs to be a part of the conversation when you do like decide to address it. Um, but I think that that's something you really need to think about is like, how do we go about having this conversation with our kid too? Because I, me personally, I don't think it's fair to like, <laughs> especially if it's something that's going to stick with them and affect their progress as an adult too, um, to just, Hey, best of luck. We don't want to give you a label. Yeah. Have at it. Um, I, I think you can kind of do a disservice to your kids sometimes that way. Um, but again, for every parent and every situation, um, it, it would have to be a conversation because it can be different. But um, as far as the symptoms of ADHD, um, you know, I talked about like your mind runs like a squirrel and it literally, um, it, it does. Uh, I When I was doing my master's degree um, at the University of Utah, uh, a professor told me, was like, are you ADHD? And like, I'd never told her. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, you were like five thoughts ahead in your presentation. And it's like, and she's like, in your mind, you'd already covered them. And she's like, but we were still like five points behind and you'd kind of jump and I'd kind of jump in my presentation, but in my brain, I'd already said it. I'd already gone over it. And I was like, okay. And then we're here. And then, and then I would jump over here and then I would jump over here because in my brain, I'd already been like, oh, well, this leads to this leads to this, uh, you know. Um, and so it was very interesting that she caught that and then brought that up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just the mind really like race. Uh, another th- term they'll call it is a racing mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. It, it's very hard to explain unless you've actually felt it. And that's usually how I, I can usually spot students that have ADHD right away because there's certain language that they use. That you just don't use unless you feel that. And I think it would be common to anxiety or depression. Like it's hard to describe what those feel like unless you've been there. And then when you talk about it, um, somebody that has had depression and is describing it like you, you know, it's like this, you catch it. You're like, oh, that person either has some really in-depth knowledge or they have, they, they deal with it because there's no way they could talk about it that way if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and which uh, as a side note, um, anxiety and depression is actually, um, they, they have found studies show, um, you know, if you go by, by the research that about 75% of ADHD, people with ADHD have anxiety and depression and they see more anxiety in females and more depression in males. That Um, makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see the anxiety, um, in myself. If I let my ADHD, if I don't manage it, then all of that energy becomes nervous energy and then it becomes stress. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then I think that that then just becomes this higher level of anxiety, like stress, which becomes anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other way that I can best describe um, a symptom of ADHD is it feels like your feelings are literally hooked up to an amplifier. 
So I always talk about it like whatever ADHD people, they, they feel the same things everybody else feels. It's just amped. So, and, and this is different than bipolar because bipolar is very manic, one like happy and then like a little bit like manic depressant on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, very, very different. It's just when somebody's happy, they're, they're, they're very amped on that happy. They're sad, they're angry, they're frustrated. And so I think that that's why you, a lot of times you will see a lot of outbursts from, from kids and teens and even adults sometimes um, is especially with kids, they don't know how to manage their emotions. I mean, imagine a teenagers, t- teenagers anyway can be a bit emotional. And then you, you know, you essentially throw an amplifier in there and you say, okay, let's turn that up by five or 10 times. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, you know, whatever they're feeling, whatever that feeling is that they're feeling, it's then amped. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those things that you can kind of use to like describe it to somebody who they can't like, if they're experiencing it and they don't know how to describe it, you just go, Oh, does it like feel like it's super amplified? And they're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's interesting. And then the disorganization. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're all disorganized to some degree. Like, let's be honest. Some days we all just like are really great at it. And some days we're just like, did I, why did I even accomplish anything today? Mm -hmm. Um, but ADHD people, because their mind runs like a squirrel, like sometimes they just sit there and they just run around the tree and they never make it up the tree. Like Mm -hmm. they just like, Oh, look, there's a nut over there. There's grass. Oh, there's people. There's a park bench. Oh, you know? And so their organization can just literally go out the window because, Mm -hmm. because of the racing thoughts that they never really get anything accomplished because they just spend all their time chasing their tail essentially. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about, I've heard of adult onset ADHD. Do you have any comments about that in relation to figuring it out or symptoms? Yeah. So at least from my experience, um, most adult ADHD is they had it as a kid and it was just never identified. Um, As far as it being onset as an adult, um, I don't really know about that. I I couldn't really speak with very much education on that because pretty much everything that I have worked with has been teenagers, um, college students, Mm -hmm. um, or it has been with adults that they had it, they've had it the entire time, but it was just never identified until they're like in their twenties or thirties. And then they're like, Oh, so this is why I have like, you know, sucked at at organizing in my job or whatever. Like I hate paperwork and we all hate paperwork. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's something to that. I mean, with the dyslexia, looking at a bill is very taxing. Like you're, you're just, it it just, yeah, it just feels like sand. It's just nothing to grasp on it. It's, it's, um, yeah, I mean that's my experience. So I mean that makes sense to me, like just not even being able to start the organization because it's just it's not there. Yeah. Um so okay, so then theoretically, can exercise help a help an ADHD brain become more organized, become more focused? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So there's the research behind it and then there's also the application behind it. So on both fields, um, they exercise has proven to be a very effective way for managing ADHD and we might even say treating ADHD. It doesn't cure it by any means. Um, so one of the, the things that causes ADHD is that there's a decrease or lack of dopamine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all those, fe- all those chemicals that make you feel happy and pleasurable and all those things, like they just don't exist. Um, or they're at a very, they're at a lower level. Um, so, and that includes serotonin, you know, uh, norepinephrine. So all of those like different hormones and chemicals. So exercise will definitely increase that and it will increase it in anyone. And so it's very, very effective, but again, it doesn't cure it. Um, as a kid, I ended up playing sports. And so I could relate to you when you were talking about music and sports being very effective at helping you A, excel, and B, to just um, have this outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times ADHD people uh, are very kinetic. Very, mm-hmm. They do very good when they're moving, they're hands-on. And music is usually that way and definitely sports. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you'll see, you'll see a lot of those type of kids, they have the potential to really excel because they just, they do very well in the moving, in the, in the learning where we're moving in the kinetics. And so, and it does, and it helps them to feel better too. So for me, I played sports and it literally was a saving grace for me because it saved me mentally, emotionally, socially, because as an ADHD kid, you know, I thought my behavior was normal. Whereas in, you know, a lot of people were like, man, she's always bouncing off the wall. She's always talking, you know, um, which some people loved, but some people found annoying. Mm -hmm. And so when you're out, you know, playing sports, it just, everything's kind of tempered. It like, you know, it takes that energy instead of it spilling out your mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, you're putting it towards a skill or towards playing. And, um, and, and honestly, it was kind of my superpower when I was playing because I would always push myself to, when I was playing tennis, um, I'd go play with the guys because I just, I had all this extra energy that then I could hit harder. And then I could like, I could go longer, um, and it just pushed me to play harder. Mm, yeah. Um, what What are the common myths around exercise and ADHD? So, well, I, I don't know so much about a myth um, that, yeah, that it cures it. And it, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. It, it doesn't solve the problem. Like, just because I go and exercise every day doesn't mean that I still don't need to do, um, diet medication or supplements or things like that. Like it's not, um, it, I think it is very, very effective. And and to the point that I believe that it is actually needed. Mm -hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that you take all those other things out. Like somebody might need to exercise and still be on medication. Um, so it doesn't eliminate medication, but it can, depending on the person. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is, do you think people are motivated to do both like a medication and exercise or 
does it, you know, usually fall in one or the other, or is there something missing about exercise that people don't, you know, seem to embrace about this? Yeah. And some of it, especially for kids, I look at it and it really falls on the parents because instead of giving their kid a timeout and sending them to the room, um, literally have them go get on the treadmill for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, I know a couple that they, for how old their kid is, that's how long they spend on the treadmill on their timeout. And I thought that was kind of cool. When they turned eight, they were like, instead of a timeout, you're going to go spend eight minutes on the treadmill or on the bike. They had a bike as well. And they said that that was actually 10 times more effective than sending them to their room, giving them timeouts, um, all these other different consequences for um, sometimes bad behavior, but sometimes just nervous energy, like too much energy too. Mm -hmm. Because then what was interesting though, is that they learn to self-regulate their behavior and their moods, but they do it with exercise. Mm. As valuable as they go into an adulthood that they can go, okay, I don't feel really great right now, or I'm feeling anxiety. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Um, so I definitely think that exercise um, is really important and it doesn't matter at what age. It just, it falls on the parents when they're, you know, when they're younger. Um, so yeah, and it's pushing them. Like there's some kids that they're just not super excited. I loved physical activity. I love playing tennis. I love playing sports. I was always like a mover and a shaker. Um, there are some kids that, um, you know, maybe I grew up on a farm too. So I was always out riding horses and doing things like that. But, um, you know, maybe they live in suburbia. And so, you know, they're not necessarily out running, you know, riding horses, chasing cows, doing whatever. Um, And so it's doing things like if they have a dog, taking the dog for a walk, like encouraging them to do things, you know, um, listen to music and go walk around the block, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, But they have found, um, one of the interesting things about exercise though, with the whole ADHD is that, um, it's better if it's aerobic versus anaerobic, Mm -hmm. um, aerobic is way more effective and usually five minutes or more is where they have found that kind of sweet spot for where it increases, um, all the chemicals in the brain to really have their full effect on ADHD. So I thought that that's interesting. And then, um, does the amount of time in doing aerobic activity correlate to like more, like compounded benefit or anything like that? Um, from my experience, I believe so. Um, you know, I can tell the difference if I go out and run for five minutes or if I run for 30. So if I am experiencing, um, you know, if my brain is just scattered and I am, you know, for whatever reason, kind of stressed out, um, and, and the squirrels are racing, (laughs) if I can go, the longer I go out, the, I feel like the clearer I can get. So is, do I have the research behind that necessarily? No. Um, there probably could be some out there for that. But I would definitely say from my experience, like if I just go out for five minutes, yes, I improve. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes I feel like I can get right back in that mode of my squirrels going. It like eases it a little bit. But if I go out for like 30, 40 minutes, Mm -hmm. yeah, like then I'm good for a couple of hours. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that would be, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how I would help, um, a, you know, something like a, a diabetic client, like, you know, um, if you spend this much time in aerobic activity and your body can handle it, you can get this benefit for probably a day and a half, you know, versus, right? yeah, versus like a, yeah, like something um, shorter and less intense might not, and it's not up to your activity level, then it might, really might not be as um, instigating to these benefits. So I was just kind of thinking in that zone. Um, the other thing I'm interested to know is, does your Instagram handle, the endorphin junkie, have anything to do with this story that we're focusing on right now? Yeah, it totally does. So the whole name came about because as I was teaching in high school, um, my department head at the time was, you know, we'd always, I was always going out on the weekends and going on adventures and I was running races and, and whatnot. And one day, I don't know what we were talking about some adventure I was going on, you know, some race I was going to or whatever. And she just looked at me and she's like, you know what? You're not really of an adrenaline junkie, are you? And I was like, no, because I have no desire to jump out of a plane. Like, mm. like I'm terrified of heights and I like climbing, but I have no reason to jump out of a perfectly good plane, you know, mm. or bungee jumping. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm good. Um, and so she was like, you know, you, you're not really like an adrenaline junkie where you're just trying like these crazy stunts and these crazy moves and this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're kind of more of just an endorphin junkie. And it literally from then on, it just stuck in the whole department. Yeah. And so that's where the name, the, endor the endorphin junkie came from. And I kept it because, and I ended up using it on my Instagram handle because I felt like most of us, it doesn't matter who we are. Um, we all want to be happy at some level and really endorphins are about happiness. Like that's how you feel happy is having those endorphins. And so I was like, we all want to feel happy and how we, it doesn't matter. Um, we're, we're all driven to be happy. And so some of us try and get it through food. Some get it through exercise. Some mm -hmm. get it through relationships. You know what I mean? And so we're all endorphin junkies. Yeah, I'm a relationship endorphin junkie. I could say that. Um, it's probably why I was so drawn to doing a podcast. Um, I that kind of like once I want to put a pin in this because this podcast is really all about informed consumers and being uh, a couple levels smarter than these marketing companies think that we assume that we are. You know what I mean? And right. <laughs> um, so. And I feel like endorphins and adrenaline get used interchangeably. Totally. So can we back that up and kind of separate them in this? Because um, I feel like, I, yeah, because that could go in a whole nother direction of mental illness is, you know, coping with alcohol and finding another way to get these things. Yep. Okay. Totally. Yeah. So I just opened that. Yeah. So that's like a whole nother can. We could be here for like semesters. <laughs> so like the, the whole, uh, the whole idea in between the differences, um, you know, a lot of the adrenaline is the norepinephrine and the ephrine that is produced by the adrenal glands. And that is like when your body hits high levels of stress, it just pumps that hormone out and it's a rush. It is, it's totally this rush. And 
people, some people really, really crave that rush. Mm. Um, and the endorphins are a little bit different. That's more about our dopamine, our serotonin. So that's going to be, now they work together, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's not that they are, you can completely separate them and be like, oh, one's over here and one's over there. Um, but they do work differently, but they do also work in the same, literally in the same system. Mm-hmm. And so like more of the endorphins is the endorphins that literally create that happiness feeling. And it's not so much of a rush as it is just contentment, um, pleasure. You know, it can be, it can be eating food. You know, it's that whole idea of when you eat food, um, there's the serotonin levels and things like that, that make you feel full and that make you feel, Oh, like at Thanksgiving when you eat a little too much, you know, it's that idea of like, Oh, I feel full. I feel content. Um, and, and some of those chemicals are released when you do exercise. Right. Mm -hmm. And so dopamine is one of the, one of the main, and we're still learning a ton. So there's just so much about the brain that we still don't know, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, dopamine is released when we eat foods, when we, you know, do, uh, I like in my, in my high school class, I like to call it a one puppy high. So whenever I would, we would learn about drugs to kind of put it in perspective. I said, okay, unless you're terrified of dogs because you know, you got bit or something. I said, most of the time when people see a puppy, what do they want to do? like, and it does, it makes them happy. That's why dog and cat videos are so popular on YouTube, right? Yeah. Because people watch them and it makes them laugh and it makes them happy. And so like, I would just refer to like, when you go and exercise and, or if you want to, like some people will try and instead of exercising or eating foods or doing those things that are good for you, they'll try and take drugs as a substitute. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that they, you essentially get this puppy high, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what exercise does is it gives you that, that puppy high, so to say, that rush of that kick in of dopamine and serotonin. Mm-hmm. And as that increases, you're going to feel better about life, about yourself. Um, and so very much, I feel like that's very different than like getting on a roller coaster Mm-hmm. And then getting off and being like, oh my gosh, that was the funnest time ever. Like mm-hmm. that is just, it, it's more, that's more of the adrenaline, okay. the, the, the kick in the horn, you know, that hormone that just kicks in for action. That's like, okay, let's get your muscles all like jacked up. So now they're ready to just, you're ready to just like, you know, fight or flight. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I'm always thinking when I'm taught, when we're in this context of, uh, chemicals, neurochemicals, uh, I always am, I'm kind of conditioned to think of it in the terms of survival, right? Like what, uh, adrenaline is an obvious to me, like why it's a survival hormone or chemical. And then the next one, when we think about the norepinephrine and epinephrine, epinephrine, whatever. Um, (laughs) when we talk about those, like they have that same kind of, um, they kick things into gear so that you can go into survival mode and flight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with dopamine, this is more of a learning chemical. 
And so if we're talking about it in the, in the movement sense, it's to help us learn where the food is or learn where to not go or like learn. The things um, that make you happy could even be relationships. You know what I mean? Like when you see a person that you like, like being around and you talk to that person, um, you'll have dopamine released in your brain. So, I, I mean, it, there's so many things that have literally when you pet dogs and things and things like that, like dopamine is released. Mm-hmm. And well, we so, were talking about it in the nature sense too, with Melanie yeah. and uh, why that is such a theme um, for her uh, fitness, you know, endeavors and her teachings and workshops that we um, can get so much of this stuff from just using our body. We don't need extra stuff to do um, to help to heal and uh, improve our body. So I feel like, um, you know, we're in that same area for sure. What, what, what do you think people need to be uh, educated on in this space? Um, for one, like I, I think knowing what different exercises can help the best with ADHD. Um, and when I say exercises, I'm not necessarily talking about movements. It's more about the aerobic and anaerobic. Um, so HIT has proven to be very effective, um, with ADHD because they have those very small intervals. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think, So I think educating yourself on what fits best for somebody who's ADHD. So if you had an ADHD client, you could say, all right, what's going to be work best for them? Um, And honestly, like I have been a runner my entire life, but when I took running to the trails, which I didn't do until about 2012, I have no idea why I never... I didn't figure it out before then I would always go run around the streets and I hated hiking. That's what's funny about it all. Hated hiking. I think it's just because, um, it was too mundane for me. But as soon as like, somebody's like, well, let's go run a trail. And I was like, oh, I don't want to hike. And they were like, no, we're going to run it. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And so I went and I ran trails and I was like, where have, what have I been doing my whole life? Like, where has yeah. this been? Why have I not been doing this? Um, but I think that getting, Honestly, getting kids outdoors is going to be far more effective in the exercising realm than indoors. Um, Because there's a lot of people that as soon as you say treadmill, they're like, I'm bored and I haven't even started. Right. Um, And so and that's for like like normal people. But I do think that there is something about nature and being outside that really helps the ADHD individual connect even more. it just, it gives them a little bit more stimuli and a little bit more of a calming. It can give them a little bit more of a calming effect. Yeah. And I think running for me, for running for me in the mountains, it becomes a game. It's like, how can I not fall on my face and hitting the bottom, you know? Um, and, and it makes me focus. Like yeah. I have to, for once in my life, I am not scattered brain because I'm literally like rock, tree, root, over, you know what I mean? Like you have to be in the moment because if you're not, you literally are going to be on your face. Um, and it's the same when I ride horses, I have a thousand pound animal with a mind of its own. And if I'm not there, Mm -hmm. it it, like, like I can feel my horse. And so that you can feel the movement. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's kinetic learning going on, 
but I also think um, it, it forces somebody with an ADHD brain to not be scattered because it's it's kind of like what you're saying, the survival. You're like, I'm on a thousand pound animal. I have to be here or I'm going to be like on my face in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's something definitely for, profound about a uh, connection with a horse and uh, communicating with it in a nonverbal way and, and that, you know, you can't, you, it, I mean, I, I have a little bit of experience on horses and I've always felt that there's a, a really strong emotional connection. Again, back to my own dopamine needs. That's what I get out of it. Right. And, <laughs> um, make you happy. <laughs> yeah. That's another way to think about it. I love it. Um, so what else do we need education on? So I, I like that, uh, thinking about compartmentalizing the exercise prescription. Another way that I'm looking at this is through the lens of lifestyle medicine and pain science. And what that means is a way of viewing the body and how we, you know, chronic pain, injuries, chronic uh, illness, is that a lot of lifestyle adjustments can also be medicine for preventing and treating chronic illness, chronic pain, and chronic injury. It's almost more of a healthy wellness. How can we get your mind in the right place and your body in the right place? Yeah. Uh, So it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's one of the next big things in physical therapy is pain science. So I'm really excited to be on the, you know, the fitness end of this. Yeah. So, yeah. um, So I'm wondering, like, would it, what if we have a client that is obese, that they have joint issues and it's going to be really hard for them to get 35 minutes of exercise or whatever it is because yeah. of, because, you know, of they just health. can't move that well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then do you, so like finding something like that, I would think something like a, like a air punching game, like gamify, like, um, and so let's say they have, they have uh, ADHD and they're, they're in this category that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I would think something like, like, uh, yeah, air punching, like giving them targets, like not necessarily putting them, putting gloves on, but building up to putting gloves on and boxing or something like that. Or just like, um, do you have any ideas there? Like suggestions for that? Yeah. I mean, and it would also be, it would have to be determined, can they go inside or outside? Because if it's something they could do outside, I would say it can be as simple as take your dog for a walk and take your dog with you. Mm-hmm. So, because literally, um, because ADHD is a very kinetic learner, um, they have shown pets to be very, uh, very effective for ADHD. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. That's cool. And so, yeah, so like taking the dog for a walk, taking the horse for a walk, and because if they can get outside, you can scale back whatever it is that they want to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, if they can't run, can they walk? Mm-hmm. How far can they walk? How much can they walk? Because anything, it's just like with, with anybody, even if they don't have ADHD, something 
at some level is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. 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 Um, you know, and so, and maybe it's doing like interval training, but doing it at that person's health level instead of, and not even skill level, because I know some people that are very skilled, but because of their health issues, whether it be cancer, whether it be diabetics or whatever, they can't do what they used to be able to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, yeah, it's programming again to their health level. I I think it's always a good, um, place to be able to, even if it's just a little bit of customized advice, if people have like more of a reason to adhere and it's just, and and if it's in that context of you having ADHD, I I think it's, it's worth its weight, you know, it's worth it. Absolutely. It's, you know, cause we receive these messages constantly that exercise is good for us and that exercise can help our brain. Like these messages aren't new. You know, we're not, right. it's, uh, yeah, but it's not rocket science, but it kind of is. It's brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but like putting it in the context of giving somebody something a little bit more customized or, um, and, and, and connecting with them and showing them that you understand their suffering can, I think be a very powerful medicine. Like, I think that's one of the big takeaways from this lifestyle medicine course that I'm getting is that. I'm looking at this research. Um, and again, John Rady's coming up again, cause I have not d- dug into research like this in a, quite a while. And right at this moment this week, I'm working on brain benefits, <laughs> um, and, uh, exercise, but you know, more in the context of like, um, helping an aging brain and helping that. But I, I can't help but to think that's, that it's, we're working on the same thing. Yeah, it it really is like it. Movement is going to help pretty much any ailment is not that it's going to cure cancer, but your body was made to move. And as you move it, it, I don't think it matters whether you're ADHD, diabetic, you know, whatever it is that you have moving um, can be very, very beneficial, especially when it comes to if we're if we're speaking just straight up, like again, the mental wellness, mm-hmm. um, the two are so, so powerful together of being, being well, mentally well, usually means that, you know, there's something, there's that physical aspect to it. Mm. Um, but thinking on how you were saying, like, what would you do for somebody that had, um, you know, if they maybe didn't have the help to be able to go out and do, you know, full scale 30 minutes, um, the couple things that come to mind is you want to keep their feet moving and their hands moving. Um, and so ADHD people can have a hard time with eating because they, they have to have their hands moving and doing stuff. Oh my God. Eat food away. Right. Um, because yeah, it's just interesting. So like, and we all sometimes do that, right. We're bored. So we eat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, literally it's like, oh, my hands have to be doing something. So, oh, there's food. And then pretty soon I'm like, what, how did I just gain 10 pounds? Like, <laughs> right. But, um, but if you take like those bands, just like a, a, you know, an exercise band and the rubber ones work better than the fabric ones mm-hmm. and you put them on somebody's chair and you let, you know, and you push back on them, or then you have the kids put their, like, I would have students that I'd put them on their chairs and they could sit there and kick that band 
all hour long. I didn't care. You know what I mean? Um, but you could come up with band exercises specifically if you were looking for like more of a, an exercise, like, okay, how can we help this person? But they can't like go out and run, you know, or whatever, or maybe they're not healthy enough to even go out and do, you know, 10 minutes or, or whatever. Um, that's where I would say like band exercise would be fabulous because um, doing things that keep their hands moving and their arms moving and then their feet moving. Yeah. I would, uh, some would something like, so this is, this is interesting because we're talking about people not focusing and then you're giving them something to do while they're trying to focus. Yeah. And they focus better. Okay. So that, that, that's interesting. That's a big misconception. I think Uh, that's, yeah. Can you comment on that more as far as like education goes and what you've, you know, sitting in your seat as, yeah. Yeah. So it, there's a fine line and, and, and you, and you do, you dance that fine line because as a teacher, if I give a student one of those bands, is it going to be helpful or is it going to become a distraction? And for every student, it's a little bit different. Um, but I would say overall, usually if they have something that they can just sit there and move, that's why the spinners became super popular for a while. Yeah. And honestly, I think most kids, for most kids, they were a distraction. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out as a teacher. Um, And it was amazing to me. I was like, everybody's walking around with spinners. Um, (laughs) But for some kids, they honestly, like it was, it it wasn't distracting. It was good for them because they just needed to move. So for instance, I know how it applied to me. Um, We have faculty meetings once a month um, as, you know, when I was in the public school system. Mm -hmm. Well, actually we had them like once a week, but, you know, a full on faculty meeting And I'll be honest, um, meetings are not always my favorite, especially if they're going over a boring topic. Uh I feel like in education sometimes, um, especially as a PE teacher, um, some of the meetings, I, you know, some of the meetings were dry and boring. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's be honest. Um, and so I, I remember, and I can tell you, it's so crazy. I remember the one day that my principal had a rescue dog and she brought in this black lab that he, that she had. And he would, we had no students that day. She brought him in and he was sitting in the faculty meeting. And I don't remember at this point if he walked up to me or if I walked up to him, but I sat through that entire faculty meeting petting that dog. And I can tell you what people wore. I can tell you what we talked about. Um, and I can't tell you hardly jack about anything that happened in any other faculty meeting throughout my entire life. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, um, I think this came up in the conversation before, like if a child is not doing well in their subject, the first thing a parent might be apt to do is give them a tutor rather than help them be more active, which, you know, is also in this like same counter intuitive and counterproductive thing that we're hitting on here. Yeah. Um, and I have, some people can do it. Um, I have mixed results myself personally, but, um, doing the whole treadmill thing, you know, where you put your workstation up on a treadmill. Um, I used to put my books up there when I was studying for anatomy and things like that. And I would put my books up on the treadmill and I can't go very fast because literally it's like, my brain was like, you can't do both of these at once. But well, if I'm an energy resource thing, it doesn't work, make any sense to me, but yeah. 
Yeah, but I would walk and I would just sit there and I would like, you know, but if I can walk or hike and not necessarily have to be typing, but kind of like mulling over something, um, I can solve a lot better problem. Like I can solve problems a lot better if I like take that problem out on a hike or on a run, because literally by the time I get back, like I've thought of all of these different solutions. Um, I remember things better. So if I can be moving when I'm actually like thinking about it and learning about it, um, I, yes, I will retain information and I will be able to problem solve 10 times better. Um, it's just figuring out where that balance is for everyone, even for myself. Like, when does it become like, okay, I'm moving too fast. I can't like read, you know what I mean? I can't read my anatomy book if I'm jogging too much. Um, so there is, there's a fine line. Um, I can listen to videos or podcasts and things while I'm walking. And I do really well with that. Yeah. Uh, But I like this idea of using the band because it's very relevant right now because people may be stuck in a small space. Yes. Especially right now. (laughs) And I think probably parents are going crazy at home anyway. Um, You know, especially if their kids got online school um, that, you know, they're, they're just, they're not getting out as much. And so, yeah, it, it, maybe it's setting time aside to like, okay, we're going out to the park or your backyard and we're going to go move, right? Yeah. Play. We're going to go play a tennis game and, you know, and then come back and do our studies or whatever. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just, and sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to take our work and do it on the go. Essentially say, oh, let's walk around the block and let's like do flashcards. Mm, right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, uh, yeah. Um, do you have any ad- band on the chair, you know, and, and like literally, you know, have them doing band stuff as they're sitting there reading. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm wondering if, um, have you been giving out more advice like that since the last six, seven months? Since COVID? Um, yeah. it's really interesting because with COVID, a lot of, a lot of people have been getting out more. So I've actually seen an improvement in some ways because their kids, they're like, everybody's tired of being stuck in the house. Mm -hmm. And so literally, um, at least the trails, um, you know, I went to Florida not too long ago. There was people all over outside there, um, here in Utah, the trails have been packed beyond anything what they were before COVID. And so I feel like COVID for some, for some individuals has actually had the opposite effect where they've gotten out more and their kids are doing better. Yeah. I, well, we're seeing that same trend with the busyness on the trails and stuff in Virginia and Maryland for sure. Well, maybe, I don't know about Maryland, definitely Virginia and the golf courses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if dinner coming on that could change. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So I still have like a ton of questions, but I do have to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> what, what do you, um, so as far as like your development in this space, like what are you hoping to, to continue to grow, um, in this space and help people and 
all that? Like, what are your plans or aspirations? My, my plans and aspirations. Um, I've got several and they're all kind of interconnected. Um, but one, like my Instagram, you know, the, the underscore endorphin junkie, um, that really is about, it started out really as me just kind of um, sharing the trails that I went on and it's turned into something way bigger than that. It's awesome. Yeah. That's really all it was is I was like, look, my friends, literally, we couldn't keep track of all the trails we were running on. And I was like, I'll just post them on Instagram and then we'll remember. Um, and lo and behold, that turned into something else. Um, but really now it's about inspiring people to get outside. Um, and I'm sharing backpacking and running and fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. tips on that as well. Um, and so I'm actually in the process of developing like a meal plan and some, some like fitness training specifically for that kind of an individual or Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so because I do personal coaching as well. So I'm working on that. Um, and, and again, a lot of it is based off of my own experiences, so it won't necessarily apply for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that I'm working on is because I taught for 13 years is I had students every semester write, um, a question that they had at the beginning of the semester and then what they liked the most and a question that they still had at the end of the semester. And I literally have hundreds and hundreds of cards. And so I want to actually turn that into a book for parents about yeah. here are the questions that your teens have about health. And I, and I mean, I'm going to be addressing a lot of things. So mental health, fitness, um, drugs. I, I mean, kids, kids, a lot. What's interesting is a lot of the questions that the kids have, I find that the adults have. Interesting. Yeah. And so I want to make those questions available so that then parents could literally go through and say, okay, well, let's answer this. Have we talked to our, you know, our kids about this? Um, And I'm not necessarily providing the answers to all of those questions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I thought about, but more, I want to provide like a conversation starter and say, okay, here's some questions. And um, I have what I, I have what I call parent teen communicators, which yeah. is an interview that a parent and, and my, my students literally had to do this in their high school classes. They, I, I told them that their parents had homework. And so they were pretty stoked about that. Um, but they would literally have to go home and have a conversation with their parents about whatever, you know what I mean? It was whatever health topic and we would have interview questions or they had to go into their kitchen and actually do an activity with their parents in the kitchen. And then all they had to do come back to me was have their parents sign that they had completed it. Um, and so it was, it was a little bit, um, it, it was more homework to do at home, but it was really about having parents having those conversations with their kids. I love it. I, yeah, I would put one right on that coffee table over there. Cause that makes a ton of sense. I've worked with younger, um, with youth athletes for a long time and I've, I've seen, their behaviors and attitudes about injury and performance and competition come oh directly God. from their parents. Yeah. And because I was dealing, I wasn't like coaching them per se, but I was dealing with them on like an athletic training side. Right. And so I, I was often in those topics in, in the topics of, so, you know, 
what do you believe about this injury? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, what, what do you think you need to do to overcome this? Um, because like a six month tendon reoccurring injury for a 16 year old is a long time. Forever. Their career is over. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not, you know, and, um, I never want to, you know, belittle a client or make them feel silly or stupid, but it was, um, really interesting that I would just see those attitudes come right from the parents. So that I feel like a book like that could really help people who are in public health, health promotion, health and fitness, uh, talk about these bigger conversation pieces. Cause like we are, people are coming to to the exercise conversation, talking about the muscles, talking about the hot pods, talking about, you know, the sex hormones. Right. We're not talking about our beliefs and our mind and our brains when it comes to these things. And And it's all connected. Yeah. 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 Um, Fabulous. Um, so one of the questions I always love to end with, um, I want to ask, what is the beneficial belief that you have that humanity could benefit from? If we didn't already get to it, bring it up. If we already said it, say it again. Um, I would say probably one of the main things is that you are loved Mm -hmm. and that you are strong. And and I say that because um, I think that there's a lot of teens and that there's a lot of individuals that subconsciously they don't believe that. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, say that even if you don't believe it until you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that because I've experienced that, um, that connection and that nurturing sensation that can occur that occurs when you do believe that you are safe, loved and supported, you know? Um, so I think that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Is there anything else that we missed that we have to share? Well, well, and I think we both, I think we've said it already, but if you are not feeling a hundred percent mentally, um, go move mm-hmm. and serve. Um, get kind of get out of your own way, get out of your own brain mm-hmm. and go out. You might not feel like it, but go move, go make cookies for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Go like, go do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, uh, just sinking into the couch, you mean, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you reading anything interesting about health, exercise, and fitness? Just a wild card in there. Um, I, well, I've been right. I've been reading a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of one that like stands out specifically at this very moment. Uh, (laughs) The ADHD book pile is usually pretty big individual is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and I actually, on my, on my Instagram, Um, Ah. I have a, on my bio, I have a link there that has all the books that I, um, 
I have a handful of books that are kind of my top five that I recommend. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's several, to be honest, the ones that are top in my top five, they're almost all sports psychology books. Um, and how all of those things can, you can apply it to athletes, Uh but you can apply it to life just like daily affirmations. You can apply it to in the sports world and how you think in a game, but you can like life is a game. And so you can apply it in life. Um, saying those daily affirmations, you, you know, it might feel silly. It might feel weird, but it does work and it is effective. And so, um, yeah, my top five reads, um, if somebody wants to check them out, they are on my Instagram. If they click on the bio, um, it literally will be like my favorite, like fitness and adventure. Ah. Okay. What else, what, what are the other things that you're offering, uh, through, so you, you the, just the general like feed is going to be like advice and, uh, tips about the trails, um, in your, in, you know, the ones that you've been on and advise on. And then we have the book, uh, recommendations. What else is on there? Um, I also have links to all, any of the gear that I've used as well. So everything from, you know, running, like what spikes to use when you go out in the winter, um, what leggings I like using. I'm very picky about my clothes, which a funny thing about ADHD people, they're super sensitive to textures. Just saying. Okay. Um, and, and I didn't realize that that was like part of being ADHD, but anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, yeah, so I just have gear that I recommend as far as running, um, as, as well as for like uh, backpacking and for in the gym. Um, because I do feel that like lifting heavy, um, power lifting, Olympic lifting, um, and, and just doing functional lifts as well. Like all of those things, like, I feel like that is so beneficial, um, mm-hmm. for the brain and for the body. And so I have some recommendations for, um, the, the bands, like we were talking about the bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have links to the bands, um, different types of, um, exercise equipment. And then, yes, just like fitness clothing that I've really liked. Cause you know, we've always, tr- all of us have tried those leggings that they just don't quite fit right. And you're, uh-huh. you're like, I like them, but I don't. And they make me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In there. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for being so generous with your experiences and thoughts. And um, I just appreciated this conversation. And now I have a ton more questions. So we might have to do round two. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Teddy. You bet. I loved it. Okay. Great. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. This was a great episode for me to record and come back to as I've had my own personal struggles with the dyslexia and learning and found that exercise and fitness were very important for me. And I'm glad I was able to share a part of that story and let Teddy share her incredible experience in this space. Today's episode would not have been possible without a wonderful company that is also our affiliate because this is one of our commonalities is Ruby and Ruby is our podcast affiliate. So if you want to support the show, I encourage you to check out Ruby, which is a high performance drink made of fruits and vegetables and really nothing else. 
So think of this drink as a really easy way to get your fruits and vegetables because it's a freeze it's made of freeze-dried powders and like I said, whole fruits and veggies including all the healthy fiber and literally nothing else, no BS. The fruit and vegetables are picked at their peak nutrition and freeze-dried to lock in all the nutrients and all the flavor. They have four different flavors, four different blends. This morning I had a boost which is my, I think it's my favorite, but my second very close favorite is Focus. So there's four different blends, Clean, Boost, Focus, and Active. I have tried all of them and use them on a weekly basis, definitely more than once a week, probably about three times a week. So the uh, link in the show notes to our affiliate page, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com, affiliate partners, will take you to Ruby and they even published their own uh, study about people feeling better after 60 days of doing a Ruby challenge and changing nothing else about their diet and lifestyle. So the link in the bio will get you right to our page and you purchase through there. You'll get a free shaker bottle and all the different flavors and you will be supporting the show. Thank you so much again for being here and I can't wait to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or sign up for our newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.